0: Welcome to this episode of the podcast, where today we're joined with Ivory King, Senior Vice President of Newfront Insurance. Ivory is a seasoned business insurance professional with expertise in tech, fintech, risk management, and leadership. And as the Senior Vice President of Newfront Insurance, Ivory plays a major role in enabling global expansion through the implementation of a modern insurance platform. Her innovative approach and deep understanding of the industry contribute to their company's success in delivering cutting-edge business insurance solutions, and Ivory is not only a leader in her field, but she's also a dynamic speaker and a champion for diversity, equity, inclusion, and she brings her passion for fostering inclusive workplaces and driving positive change to the forefront of her work and her presence in the industry. So I am pleased to welcome Ms. Ivory King. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Dustin, and thank you for having me on your podcast.
0: This is exciting for me for a lot of reasons. We've, we've shared many conversations over the years, and could we start by just telling us a bit about yourself and, and your role at the company?
1: Sure. So a bit about myself. I have been in the industry next year. It will be 20 years. Uh, Insurance has been my only career. I focus exclusively on helping businesses in our industry. So everything from startups to companies companies who are publicly traded organizations. So I have a broad range of organizations that I support as a senior vice president at my current firm, Newfront. And the role that I'm in is in sales. And so I've had a lot of iterations over my in my career over the years, from customer service to answering firms, fil- filing papers. But I quickly discovered that I love to be client facing. It was certainly the coolest part of the job. And I found my way into sales almost eight years ago. And that's where I am today.
0: So 20 years, you mentioned, you know, filing and paperwork and those. What was your introduction to the industry?
1: Sure. So it's a long time ago. I started just as a senior in high school when I was in a class called work experience, where you used to get high school credit for going to work. And businesses in the local community back then would advertise uh, you know, if they wanted a high school student to come in and help out. In this case, it was a small little insurance brokerage that needed help with answering phones and filing paper. And I applied and got hired my senior year. I wasn't even 18 years old yet when I got into the industry, but I started learning really fast. I was quickly selected to work and focus exclusively on businesses at that time and didn't realize it was going to become the career that I had today. So I still went to college. I still you know, did all those things, but ultimately discovered really quickly that this is a real career, career and a profound industry that, you know, was going to take me to the next level and take me to places I'd never been. So I stuck with it.
0: Well, it, it's interesting to me. And now, you know, knowing what I know in, in my experience, that insurance does touch a bit of everything, uh, but you're starting out, like, how, how would you know that? So so, when you got into it and you started to see. Did you, did you even explore trying anything else? Did you have any other career goals or aspirations or even anything that you were even interested in that might not be in shorts?
1: You know, I've always wanted to have an impact. That's what I knew. I knew I wanted hmm. to help organizations. I knew I wanted to uh, potentially be involved in politics and public office. I just wanted to have an impact on being a small part of society that moves us forward. And what I found in my career in insurance is that it's absolutely fundamental to society. And you said it best, Dustin, it literally touches everything. So when I originally started in the industry, I was focusing on helping nonprofits and social enterprise organizations. So these are organizations who have missions that are you know, feeding people, helping the homeless, uh, giving back to their communities. And while they're a nonprofit, they certainly have to abide by all the same laws and rules and regulations in the insurance industry. And so I was able to match my professional expertise with my passion around helping people. And I did that through the businesses and that industry that I supported. So in summary, I always knew I wanted to make an impact. I didn't know how I would get there, certainly as a 17-year-old high school student. But I knew in listening to my mom as I grow up, which is just, if you're going to do something, put your all into it. Be the best in the room. If you're a paper filer, you get it right and you file every paper and you be everyone else who's helping filing paper. Whatever you're going to do, you be the best at it. And I found that by just working diligently and hard and sticking with it, I continued to get promoted, I continued to get exposure, and here I am today.
0: That that's amazing. You know, you reminded me something with about that. And I think that's great advice that you got about just being trying to be the best at whatever it is you do. One of my first jobs when I moved to San Diego uh, from originally from Philadelphia, and I moved out to San Diego and nobody would hire. It was so hard to get a, get a foothold anywhere. And one of my first jobs was loading trucks and sweeping floors. And I remember, you know, after graduating college and the only job I could get was sweeping floors. I was like, what did I do? But, um, but I was like, you know what, if this is where I am and this is what I do, then they're going to have the, the cleanest floors and the best packed trucks that they, that they've ever had. So, um, you know, taking that attitude and it's something that, that I've tried to to build on. And I know in our conversations, you definitely have that same, that same attitude. So I love that. Yeah, it,
1: it's called a can do attitude. You know, a lot of people in their careers and on the workplace just see it as a job instead of as a stepping stone or a opportunity to gain Mm. skills that are going to take you to that next level. Even though I've been in my industry this long, I've certainly, you know, moved around insurance brokerages. I've traveled, i moved cities. I always did what was necessary to find the right opportunity. And that's how I found myself today, physically sitting in the Bay Area in California. However... My reach and exposures has companies all across the United States and even globally because I got exposure and because I was always trying to find the avenue or the opportunity that would expand my network and expand my reach. So if I had just way back when focused on the fact that I was filing papers without having really a blind faith that hard work and diligence is going to pay off and making sure I was putting in the work to do so... Then I wouldn't have certainly climbed to be ultimately, you know, one of the most successful brokers in our industry, especially as a black woman. So, so,
0: and, and congratulations for that. I'm not going to glance past that. You, you are, and you're you're doing big things. Uh, and you talk. I want to go forward and talk about, you know, the sales role. But even before we before we get there, and, and how you've expanded, you know, globally in all these different regions. And how you've been able to do that. But before we go there, I think it's important to recognize that that you have taken these steps in your career, and you've had understanding of how the insurance business insurance industry worked on various different levels. You know, starting from the bottom, like you learned Can you can you talk a little bit about that and the different things that you've learned and how they contribute to your understanding now?
1: What I learned to, and just to clarify, what I learned to. Just in general, like all, all the different aspects of
0: insurance, like th- yeah. that. Uh, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, I'll, I'll take you know my case for example. I come doing leasing and property management, not always the most glamorous thing, but I've learned so much about how it actually works. To to then go into the the sales portion and and business development and the asset management, I can go back and like, oh no, I know you're looking at these numbers on the spreadsheet, but let me tell you what makes that up and I have actual practical experience doing that. Is there anything like that from your steps in insurance that you can point to?
1: Absolutely. So, getting in the insurance industry, first, the first thing I like to let people know, it's actually one of the lower barriers to entry than in most industries, especially for an industry that could lead you to making several hundred thousand dollars a year or even being a millionaire, which many mm. insurance brokers are today. So what I say is it it just starts uh, from the basics, which is an online class today. It used to be in person, um, which I'm sure you can find a few of those, but generally speaking, everything is moved online and it's about 52 hours of curriculum that you can knock out over a two-week period. And from there, you then go to your respective state and you pass your licensing exam. So with two weeks of dedication and passing a sane exam, I opened myself up to a multi-million-dollar opportunity in the insurance industry for which many, many organizations all over the United States and the world do not require a college degree. So the first thing I would say is I did, while I did go and ultimately get a bachelor's degree, I had already been in the insurance industry six years before I graduated. Hmm. And when I, When, Although it was new and it was a new industry, and that two-week license barely scratched the surface of what I truly needed to know, as I got to working, I would just ask a ton of questions. So if I was tasked with filing a billing statement and not knowing what the billing statement was, I would look up a glossary of terms, I would call the insurance company and see if I could find out more about what this policy means and you'd be shocked the customer service agent would walk me through it. You know, mm. I, I just knew I didn't want to have the learning curve last for a long time because I knew I wanted this opportunity to continue to expand, to continue to get prom- promoted and really find out everything that this industry had to offer. So, yes, I had my nine to five job, if you will, but that was not all the time I put in. I took act- extra classes, I did course study. Uh, If my employer would only pay for so many classes in a year, I'd go out of pocket and continue and pay on my own to -hmm. get different certifications and designations. I became a student of the industry. And that knowledge, even in the customer service realm, because that's where I started, I found once I changed to sales, I became an absolutely rock star really quickly. So what I'll share is if you are a student of your industry and not just doing the minimum, you will exceed any normal expectations. And just to give you an example of that, the client base I support today is more than five times the national average of an entire book of business over someone's, say, 30-year sales career. And I've achieved that in just not even eight years being in the insurance sales realm. So that is what is possible if you can, uh, if you are dedicated to being a student and not just doing the minimum.
0: When you mentioned asking these questions to the people and being a student and and having those people, were there a lot of people that you can point to that were in your companies that were or were in your sphere that were? Uh, I see you alluded to a person, but was there anyone in particular? Were there multiple people?
1: Yeah. So over the years with the firms that I started from being in customer service all the way through today, my most successful opportunities I've had is when I have tried to find mentors. And mentors could be certainly someone who's been in the industry much longer than you, but they can also be your peers. You know, there were customer service uh, agents who were, In the industry, just two or three years, maybe longer than me, but they still knew a little bit more than I did. And I would align myself and become their friends and see what else they could show me to become who they were, which is a lot more advanced in our industry. So, whether I was in an entry level role or a new beginning in my career, or as I gained managers and mentorship all the way up, I always was looking to align myself with folks who were better than me, smarter than me and someone who could teach me something, and would just make sure to pay that forward and do it in return in whatever Mm -hmm. way I could help them. So that's the way you truly close the learning gap. And I didn't start, of course, in the world where now everything's virtual, and most of our folks are remote, and some are, uh, you know, hybrid model, there's lots of different ways to work these days. I do think some of what has been lost is that yelling over the cubicle. Hey, can you tell me how, to do, can you tell me how to do this? Now you have to, you know, instant message someone or call or zoom or figure it out. There is, there was a lot that I did gain from being in the office in the beginning of my career that you just learned from being present and listening. So for those who do have the opportunity in the industry to, uh, you know, have exposure, to go to in-person events, to listen and learn, I would take just as much uh, pride in that approach if you have that opportunity as you do and doing your uh, own self-learning and finding mentors virtually. So I see it as both and instead of either or. But Mm. uh, certainly even through today, I have an incredible boss. I have mentors in and outside of uh, my organization where I am still relying on them to help me uh, through navigate through corporate America and uh, through many industries that are not even uh, necessary to tied directly to um, the insurance industry as uh, we work with uh, customers and clients of may- varying degrees and in industries so the way that you continue to expand your knowledge base is to reach outside and I do that uh, constantly
0: well that that mindset of understanding that everybody knows something that you don't know right or, or or at least being open to learning new things and it sounds like well i know this is the you do that with vigor right you you do that with with uh, with a sense of you know almost i would say urgency like, like yes. i want to learn this and you you have you have this fire that that you want to get to the next step and for these reasons so you reach out to other people so you mentioned before about you know how you're raised and you know, that being instilled at an early age, do you, do you feel like that is something that, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like how how often do you think about how that um, comes into play in your life? In terms of how- that, like, that mindset, are you aware of it or is it just like how
1: yeah, you just well, operate? Well, I've, I've become aware of it very young in my career because I was the one who was willing to stay- till the evening hours and work on weekends before that was, uh, you know, uh, kind of expected, I think, in some industries or in some workplaces where, oh, if you don't get all your work done, maybe you do some overtime, maybe you don't you use, you, know, you know, let it sit. I was always of the school of thought of if I put in the extra time, I started to see myself get promoted a little faster than the person to my right, the person to my left. So, I began to get rewarded very early on for that extra effort. And Mm -hmm. once I saw that work and and sometimes those rewards didn't necessarily come directly from a promotion, it would be something like I'd be on a call and I get asked a question and I'd realize I'd know the answer versus someone in my same role who didn't, because again, I was always investing in my knowledge. So that would be a reward of actually feeling confident and competent in the roles that I had at the time. So I would I would say once I realized that having grit, hustle, outworking everyone in the room and being intentional about being the best, once I realized what that did and what rewards came from from it, it it now it, it's now second nature. And it almost has the opposite effect. If I'm not waking up with that kind of fire in my belly, I actually feel off and like something's wrong. Like what's going on with me today that that fire's not lit. So it becomes who you are and it doesn't just get chucked you know, at the door when you leave for work or you know only in the workplace. I find that if I have that level of fire, commitment, intentionality in all areas of my life, whether it be health and fitness, whether it be uh, my spiritual commitment, whether it be you know personal relationships, friendships, all of those areas, if you're showing up and really being intentional, you will find it's going to show up in your career as well. So it's it's like a muscle that you have to continue to work. Just imagine all the people. They, there's always this joke about people who join a gym in January or just wait till February, all the gyms will be em- be empty again. The same applies with having a hustle assassin mentality. I'm like a shark. I'm coming out to kill something every day and eat it (laughs) one way or another. And, you know, that's the key is if you don't have that, what, what are you doing? We only have one opportunity to live. You're born and then you die. What happened, what, all that matters is what we do in between and Mm. what impacts we have. So I would feel like losing a day, you know, on not carrying that fire. And sometimes that fire could be in self-care. Today's my day. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to, uh, you know, read a book. I'm going to spend time touching base with family members. It, again, doesn't have to just apply to your career. But think about how you are showing up and realize the outputs that come from it. And for me, that's been lifelong friendships. Lots of people don't have friends that last more than 10 years. I do. Lots of people don't achieve some of the success I've achieved, you know, still being a millennial in my thirties. I have, right? So I, I see comparatively that there are rewards that come from, uh, having a fire in your belly that you just don't let up on and you can, you know, live your later years, uh, Hopefully having a little bit more relaxation
0: well i you you touched on a couple of things there about the self care and those things and 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 so I, I perhaps in a way that you already answered this question uh but i'll I'll preface it by saying there there's an expression that I heard a while ago that stuck with me it's what warms you burns you, and sometimes people that have that um that fire or that thing that it does have to show up in other like, not so good ways in their in their life. Has that been anything that you've had to deal with? Or have you had to realize that like, oh, maybe I do need to put more of the effort into the self-care or step back or, or let go a little bit or not let go, but focus more on these other aspects.
1: So there's times where you recognize not everything is going to be balanced. That's the word that people like to, to use. How do you balance it all? But well, the truth of the matter is, I don't. Sometimes I have to work <laughs> really hard because there's projects, there's deadlines, there's deals I'm trying to close. There's something I'm trying to accomplish. That's when I know, OK, hey, this is when I got to turn it up. I will find time to rest a little bit later. So it's, it's really about knowing that you do at some point have to f- find focus. In different areas of your life, and that's okay. And the people in your life and the relationship you have have to kind of understand that if you're really trying to be at the next level. With that being said, the firm that I work for, NewFront, has an ethos called work, love, play, and the idea is that if you fill up those buckets of work, love, and play, and you try to hit on those pillars throughout your year. The idea you will feel much more content and intentional about how you are moving about through life. So that's the ethos I carry um, in general. It's a it's good reminders, and I just have to know that, for example, if I'm not doing the love part or the play part, the work part is going to suffer. Mm. So I can't say, okay, this year I'm going to work 300 days straight and then take a break sometime at the end of the year. The way I continue to show up and show out is by checking in with myself and being like, okay, listening to my body, listening to my emotions, making sure I'm mentally intact. And if I know something's off, I know to take a break. And for really busy people who are really motivated, that also might mean scheduling those breaks because I don't have an off time. I, There's not like a week or month in the year where I'm like, yep, I'm just going to rest on my laurels and not really, you know, go as hard in my industry. So recognizing that for me, it is 365, 24 seven in terms of being on, I then just get intentional about scheduling my play, scheduling my time for love and work follows.
0: Yeah, so you just dropped a couple of gems there, and when it comes to naming this episode of the podcast, I'm not sure if it's show up or show and show out or uh, work, love, play. I mean, those are (laughs) you just dropped some gems. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: So, uh, so with this with this in mind, when you made and the reason I I, I asked this this is the segue here is I found that a lot of people that are in sales that go into management, um, you know what what Makes them good at sales doesn't necessarily make them good managers. Actually, it's quite the opposite in many cases. Was your transition of going from you know going into sales seamless? Like, what was that transition like when you when you got into sales? And I know you 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 what you bounce ideas off people. You asked a lot of questions, but tell me more about that transition.
1: Yeah. So what I decided because I started in customer service, I decided to start really focusing on what salespeople did in the company I was working for at the time. And then what I asked for was a hybrid role because you know I was not quite sure going into sales was for me, especially as a female and as a black woman, I didn't see myself represented, especially within our industry, every which way I turned. So naturally I was like, well, is this a, is this a job that's meant more for men? Is, you know, is is this something that's reserved for people like me? And so essentially I was like, well, just let me try it. And so I, what I ended up doing is doing a hybrid role where I was able to still have some customer service duties. And then they allowed me to start doing sales related activities, like going to events and getting exposure and trying to get my first client, <laughs> you know? So, I had about 10 months of that experience before I realized, oh my goodness, this world is so much more cool. And not only did I find that uh, who I was as a person, right? Because at the end of the day, in sales, you are a walking brand. You yourself is a walking brand. People buy you. And I found that industries and companies all over the United States were not only Looking for me, but saying it was overdue. So, I they love seeing someone come in the room who, whether it be uh, the fact that I was a younger person in my career or uh, who had just gotten really early, just for a variety of reasons um, being female, bringing that perspective, whether it be women run organizations or nonprofits who are focused on women, but only always seeing male. Uh, salespeople coming to partner with them. It was something about having diversity in the industry where I was acknowledged for getting into the role that just lit the fire to get into sales much more quickly, and it was very validating to see that okay, there's room for all of us, you know, because in this industry, it's not about having one person or the other. It's about welcoming all of us to be a reflective. Of what modern society is today, so I like to say at Newfront we are modernizing the insurance industry with tech, and you know there's some new artificial intelligence that we're using, and all of those things. But we're also modernizing a very old industry in more ways than one by focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion, because that's truly what modern society is today. In addition to all the uh, tech tools, and that's what helped me helps me be a dynamic. Focused and successful salesperson.
0: So, I want to I want to take a deeper dive into those actual tools and the, and the technology and the, and the different things that you're using. But before before we go there, I just want to ask and, and maybe I think ordinarily I would I would ask this question, but it seems like you already answered away. But I'd love to hear you you know, extrapolate on it. Being a woman, a black woman in this industry. I would imagine that there'd be like an additional anxiety or pressure, but it sounds like who you are and how you do things, like it doesn't matter. You're going to do the, the extra, you know, you're going to do the studying and, and everything like, how, how is that, you know, um, reconciled with, with your mindset and, and, and being in, in that place in the industry?
1: Yeah, so certainly what I find is there's always not, I'm not going to be everyone's person, right? In industry, you find different types of people and buyers and and varying degrees of folks who may want to work with you. But what I found is that at the end of the day, once I meet and open my mouth and someone understands my technical skills and capabilities and my accolades and accomplishments, that really quickly can overcome. Many other unconscious biases that exist in our industry that are still candidly uh, present today. Uh, So I just find by if you focus on what you're good at and you focus on being really uh, intentional about learning and presenting and building confidence and rapport with whoever your potential clients are, what I have found, uh, and a mentor helped me sort of summarize this, is your advantages can be your disadvantages sometimes. A lot of people think, oh, if they're male and they look a certain way, they're going to be successful in sales. Sometimes that that advantage can be a disadvantage um, depending on who you are and who you kind of connect with. And so my mentor said, let your disadvantages or your perceived disadvantages hmm. be your advantage. And so for me, I focused on it is different to be a millennial. It is different to be a Black woman and in sales. And I'm going to work on, you know, uh, tampering down that voice that says, I wonder if they're going to accept me and just being like, if if they don't, it's their loss. Mm. (laughs) So that's how I help deal with some of the anxieties of getting into sales and being client facing is knowing that I can't change the way the entire world thinks, but I can control how I show up how I prepare and knowing that as long as I am putting good in the world, that it will be recognized. And I find that generally speaking, the business community and insurance community and the industry is shifting and has been uh, very inclusive. We have tremendous amount of work to do, but we have progress today. You know, we are doing better today in this industry than for even just, Uh, One generation ago, where there was no one in the room who who looked like me. So, uh, to answer your question, the way I continue to keep that anxiety down is I focus on execution and I focus on my skill set, and that will win over. And then the last thing I'll say, from I got from a colleague when I first joined my firm, I knew there was a large client where I could just tell the client, no matter what skills I had, what I was bringing to the table, he just did not want to work with me for whatever reason. And as a woman and a minority, your mind, my mind can go a lot of different ways. So I was just like, maybe he'll just want to work with, you know, my white male counterpart and they will hit it off. And when I said, hey, do you want to reach out? I, I feel like I've laid everything out. And no matter what, he doesn't want to work with me. And I have my own reasons why I believe that to be the case. And he said, well, if it's anything to do with diversity, equity, inclusion, I don't want him as a client anyway. <laughs> so mm. that was very powerful. So what I find is I'm just going to continue to, again, and you called it, show up and show out. And if that's not good enough for someone, and if there's other reasons other than just buying me for my expertise, who I am as a person, and how I'm trying to help their organization, then I not only do I not want them as a client, I don't need you as a client, and that's why I move forward in my career.
0: That was the best answer you probably could have possibly given to a jumbled up question. As I was <laughs> asking that, I was like, I hope you understand what I'm saying. And not only did you understand it, you absolutely knocked knocked that out of the park. Um, thank you, thank you for it that. Was. So your company that you work for and and. What I know of you guys are doing amazing things. You mentioned AI and and some of the, you know, being on the cutting edge. Can you talk about some of the things that are are really moving the needle at your firm?
1: Sure. So a lot of people may not know the insurance industry is older than even the stock market. So our insurance industry is so old that at one point, insurance companies used to insure slaves. Hmm. So I just try to give people some context on how old this industry is. Fast forward to today, the way we place policies and administer, sure, some folks are using less paper, and things are more, uh, you know, documents are scanned, but there has not been an organization or a huge massive lift in tech the way we see in most all under industries. You know, for example, these days you can buy a house from an app on your phone, (laughs) you know, um, no. in in the real estate industry the idea of that even 10 years ago would have been like no way is our is the real estate industry going to become that uh modern right so at new front we've recognized a insurance is fundamental to society the it's a trillion dollar industry larger than even the tech industry and yet we have not modernized and what we have found is there were only really a top 2 technology platforms that support them, this massive industry today that's offered by two providers. We have been one of the organizations that have to use the only thing available in the marketplace. What Newfront, we've changed that. We've built our own modern platform. And here, as art- something like artificial intelligence has ticked up, our entire infrastructure has been ready to catch and move that ball forward while the rest of our competitors in the broader industry are looking around and wondering what happened. So part of this planning started many years ago, knowing there was going to be all this other tech. And there's no better way to take advantage of some of these tools than if you have your own technologists, your own engineers who are literally prepared to catch and run. And so that's what we are doing at New Front. About 98% of insurance for businesses is bought through a broker, which is where we are, but yet we're the broker that is changing that experience, which still today, um, as we make these changes, we can tell there's lots of opportunity and lots of work to do, but we are well positioned and we're we're seeing advancements every single day. So we're, in summary, a tech-enabled Enterprise insurance brokerage, and and that's our mission to make the buying experience better for our clients.
0: And so, can you can you give uh, an example of a difference, like a like this this is how it worked, and this is a, like a specific example of how you've improved it?
1: Yeah. So, a couple of things we've done. We bring on new clients every day. Everything from smaller business organizations to large publicly traded organizations, the thousands of employees nationwide. And all of them have a similar process where they get all of these paper documents sent over to them, their PDFs. Some are fillable, some are not. I literally had one of, just recently, one of the most globally recognized brands at a conference, tell me that their current insurance broker is still sending them attachments where they have to print, fill it out scan it back in and get it back over to the insurance company. I chuckled because we've had a digital application platform for the past five years. And I've mm-hmm. had customers who are now on their fifth renewal process where every application is digitized and intuitive. If you have five applications, when you're entering your name and your address and your business revenue, your locations, you're entering it in one place and it's feeding through the rest of the applications versus... You're opening up a PDF, your Word document, and then, you know, God forbid, you have five other people who you need in your organization to answer those questions. There sets off a flurry of, I don't know, one or 200 emails from a lot of our customers who are not partnering with us today. They're with our competitors, where they are been trying to gather from all of these different organizations or all of these different people within the organizations to get the application done in order to get their insurance renewed. Where in our platform, you're able to assign responsibilities to different, whether it's finance, human resources, logistics, your cyber security team to a- answer cyber insurance question. You can do that all within the platform and they can go in and answer it. And it's all seamless in one process. So as simple as that sounds, and as widely available as this technology is, there is still 10,000, tens of thousands of brokers who are not administering insurance like that today and new front is leading and we are a power user for that sort of process uh the other thing that i'd say that is newer that uh you know this just then is because we built our own technology and infrastructure we're able to then marry the artificial intelligence tools into our system because again we're creating that technology for ourselves and something we just did was be able to compare a contract it was a contract that's usually anywhere between 10 to 50 pages compared to insurance policies that could be hundreds of pages. And we're able to say, take this contract that has insurance requirements and compare it to policies that have hundreds of pages and tell us if this contract is in compliance. And mm-hmm. it was able to spit out an accurate report. And well, so the way the industry does it today is literally a human sits in a chair instead of focusing on risk management and strategy and planning for the future, they're spending hours going through those 100 pages and then hours going through of the contract and and policies and then trying to manually analyze where the deficiencies are, et cetera. So in summary, even with that tool, we still have eyes on for the final stage and the final uh, sign-off, but the efficiency gain by having by pulling out the pertinent pieces between those policies and contracts is mountainous to mm-hmm. what um, our competitors are doing, and so what we like to say, you know, some of the industry believes we're going to just get rid of all people and only have computers running insurance. That's not what we're aiming to do. There's still a trained strategy eye on it, but at least we're spending time in your business trying to help you see around the corners instead of literally staring at at screens and making processes longer for you, you might need those contracts to move a deal forward. So where would we be faster for our clients so they can be faster in business? And at Newfront, we have this te- this saying that goes, say no to technology without relationships and say no to the relationships without technology. Wow. So it's both and, and that's what we're, our goal is.
0: Yeah, you you know, I think the ability to to adopt new technology and to, to, be nimble enough to, to see that coming? Well, a couple of different things. One, um, I feel like in a lot of, uh, industries that are large, it's like, it takes a while to turn a tanker around. Right. And like, and yeah. if you have done things a certain way and you have tens or hundreds of employees that this is the policy, this is how it's done to be able to, to have to change that. It's a, it's sometimes a, a very big ask, you know, it's a, it's, it's yeah. a big, it's a big, to do, but I think having leadership that's in a position that is forward thinking and you see that coming, you can prepare better. And it sounds like that you you are in a are with a company that, that has that type of, of leadership in place and yeah. you can be nimble to, to make those changes.
1: Absolutely. And of course, we're still working to build the tools that are going to provide certain checks and balances mm-hmm. and quality assurance and all of that. Uh, but th- th- again, this is development is just weeks old, but we are going to be first to market leading uh, with these types of tools. And we're doing so responsibly. So we won't release it to our customers uh, just yet. It is coming now and soon, uh, but we're just trying to make sure to uh, from a regulation and compliance perspective, just make sure it's ready to be client facing. Sure.
0: Uh, but with that, that, that being
1: said, we've previewed these tools. Uh, we gave them a little preview. They're available on some of our uh, LinkedIn posts and media posts. And we've had everything from uh, "Can you can you sell us your technology?" <laughs> to uh, folks wanting to now join NewFront because they want to have a better experience, even as a as um, a colleague in the industry and as a a student of the industry who wants to come s- work for a firm who's actually trying to embrace technology versus having a, you know being dragged along with it. And that's oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I see this firsthand, especially in commercial real estate, when you have leases and, you you know, be able to to abstract those leases and pull the relevant data to be able to compare it, you know, again, to the insurance documents, to for compliance, for, um, you know, governing document um, compliance, you know, uh, so like the REAs and things like that, of that nature. Um, and one of the things, and I know this isn't necessarily apples to apples, but I don't think because I know AI is, is, is its own different thing and it's going it's, to, it's it's a game changer. I get that. Um, so I'm not saying this apples to apples, but I also think like, you know, Excel didn't get rid of um, accountants, you know, it's yeah. like, but it's a, it's a great tool for account. So, so I think um, there will be a lot of pain. There will be changes and just in the industry in general and, and some redundancy in certain areas. But I, I just think, the people that are able to embrace this technology. I mean, imagine an an accountant that didn't use the internet or, or, email. it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to be able to keep up.
1: That's literally the way at one point we thought we were only going to be sending faxes for those who even know what a fax is these days, (laughs) you Mm. know, but, and then there was email and then there's instant message and it's going to continue to evolve. And we are simply trying to do that in this industry and that, and that way, we can be more efficient for our clients. We can, um, you know, take on more um, initiatives and uh, help really be part of what's making their businesses more efficient. Because you just said it, this has application to your industry, right? In terms of uh, when you when you were in real estate and doing the lease scene and all of, and the comparisons, that sort of contract review and that takes place in organizations all over the United States outside of the insurance industry so we we are not just looking at this as an opportunity uh, for ourselves or just our insurance clients but a way to really lead and, and modernize uh, the broader uh, industry that still needs a, a lot of help and we're happy to lead that effort and what's the what's unique about newfront is everyone every employee at all levels gets stock and we all feel invested we're all owners and it's an you'd be amazed at what you can do as a collective um, and compete with some of the giants when you are nimble. So uh, sure, it's a big job to do it, but uh, you know the David and Goliath story comes to mind when uh, when I think about what we're aiming to do and when I think about who's who's seeking to join us, which are folks from some of the largest brokers in the entire world.
0: Well. It's, it's so impressive um, what you're doing, how you're doing it, where you're going. Uh, but really, it is it is how you're doing it and, and how you show up in, in everything that and in, in all our uh, communication and, and conversation. So I appreciate you being a guest on the show. Um, for, for the listeners who want to connect with you or engage with you, I'll put it in the show notes. But do you want to just say what's the best way to get in touch with you and your company?
1: Yeah, so I, I certainly have a LinkedIn presence. You can find me under Ivory, I-V-O-R-E-E King, and you'll see me uh, come up on LinkedIn. Um, and New Front, feel free to follow New Front and see all of what we're doing. Again, I focus on business clients, so if you're a CFO, a general counsel, uh, we have expertise in and, um, you know, most all industries, so happy to have a conversation with anyone and again, uh, if from startup to publicly traded, uh, we can support you. So if you need business insurance, whether it be DNO, cyber, workers' comp, general liability, we offer over 40 product, products with over 400 insurance companies. I'm sure we could help uh, point you in the right direction. And you could start with me. And again, it's uh, Ivory King. I look forward to hearing from you.
0: Ivory, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dustin.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content that empowers and inspires to stay updated on future episodes. Be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, SuttonREA.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the tools, talents and techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents and techniques to achieve your own success.